Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. Friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org, or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now, here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. And gave the sense and caused them to understand the reading. Read it with clarity so it can be understood. Then they explain what it meant. Then they explain what it meant. And then they confirmed that they understood. In other words, they caused them to understand. Did you not understand? Let me explain it some other different way. I'll give you a different analogy. See, their goal was that it would be understood. That's effective teaching. That's what effective teaching is. This is also, Paul said, the gospel is so great, I want it to be understood. So he said in 2 Corinthians 3.12, seeing then that we have such hope, we use great plainness of speech. Plainness of speech. You know, you know, not like some of our politicians, you don't know what they said. But he said, great plainness of speech. And that's what it means to show. That's what it means to show. Now, now we know that it's the Holy Spirit, it is him who is guiding us into a deeper, deeper understanding of the Lord Jesus Christ. And now we want to go learn more about the Lord Jesus from this verse in 1 Peter 2.14 by focusing on these words, our sins, our sins. And this is leading up to communion. So I want you to really take this in and use this in your heart and your mind as you take communion who his own self bear our sins in his own body on the tree. So now we're going to look at what was that? What was our sins? What was the load of our sins that he bore for us? The Bible strongly emphasizes that the Lord Jesus Christ bore our sins. This is all woven throughout Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53, 4 says, Surely he hath borne our griefs, and carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him, stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Isaiah 53, 6. Isaiah 53, 6 says, All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to his own way, and the Lord hath laid on him the iniquity of us all. Isaiah 53, 11. The 11th verse of Isaiah 53. It says, He shall see of the travail of his soul and be satisfied. By his knowledge shall my righteous servant justify many, for he shall bear their iniquities. And then the last verse, in verse 12, goes on and it says, he's going to divide the spoil of the strong, because he poured out his soul unto death, he was numbered with the transgressors, and he bare the sin of many, and made intercession for the transgressors. Over and over and over again, it's so clear that the Messiah is going to take away our sins, as John put it, John the Baptist, take away our sins. He's going to remove our sins by bearing our sins. So what was it? What did he bear? 
what was the load for him to bear? Now, when the Lord Jesus Christ, we can get an idea of this, when the Lord Jesus Christ came to the Garden of Gethsemane, he anticipated with a great anxiety taking this load of sin. So Jason's gonna be in Israel, and you go to the Garden of Gethsemane there. That's where he was, but he anticipated taking the load of our sins. And as he approached it, he said in Mark 14.34, Mark 13.34, here are his words as he was approaching the anticipation of taking the load of our sins. He saith unto them, my soul is exceeding sorrowful unto death, unto death. The anticipation of taking the load of our sins was so terrible, he came close to death. He came close, overwhelmed with sorrow. It was death by sorrow. That's what had been written on the death certificate, death by sorrow. That's what he's saying here. And then when he was in the Garden of Gethsemane and anticipating again bearing the load of our sins, he sees a cup. He sees a cup, and the cup is being offered to him, and in the cup is all of our sins, and it's so terrible that it's describing him in Luke twenty-two forty-four. In Luke twenty-two forty-four, it says, and being in an agony, he prayed more earnestly, and his sweat was as it were great drops of blood falling down to the ground. So the agony is so great. It's like the blood vessels in his head were wrung like a wet cloth and great drops of blood fall to, from his head down to the ground. Yet he holds up, he holds up under this anxious anticipation of bearing the load of our sins. And when we see that, that the Lord bore our sins to save us, I mean, I'm gonna ask you a question. It's gonna be, always get a question, who could? And when you hear that, I want you to respond to me, none but the Lord. And so, who could hold up under this agony of sorrow, this sorrow unto death that caused sweat drops of blood? None but the Lord, none but the Lord. The Lord of our sins was heavy. It was heavy because of, for one thing, just the sheer number, the number of our sins. You know, I don't, we can't imagine what they were, the number, but let's just say that if a person was to sin just once per day, which is very conservative, and I'm sure none of you fall in that category, but anyway, let's just say that a person was to sin once per day, and let's just say that a person lives till they're 80 years old, and let's just subtract the first 13 years. Let's just say that the age of 13 is the age of accountability, which is conservative, that would mean that a person would have sinned about 25,000 sins in his lifetime, give or take. And the Bible says that the Lord Jesus Christ died for the sins of every man, as it says in 1 John 2, 2, 1 John 2, 2. And he's the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours only, but also for the whole world. Now, let's just say that there's been about maybe 10 billion people who've lived since Adam, and that's conservative also. That would mean if you take 10 billion times 25,000, that's a number of 250 trillion sins that the Lord Jesus Christ died for. That's an incomprehensible number. When King David thought just about the sins in this one point, up to this one point in his life, he said, in Psalm 40, verse 12, for innumerable evils 
have compassed me about. Mine iniquities have taken hold upon me so that I am not able to look up. They are more than the hairs of my head. Therefore, my heart faileth me. He had heart failure looking at just the sins in his life. He called just the sins in his life innumerable. He said they overwhelmed him and they made him not able to look up. Just think about 250 trillion sins, what that looked like for the Lord Jesus to bear. The load of our sins was heavy because the number of our sins, over 250 trillion sins, who could bear up under 250 trillion sins? None but the Lord, none but the Lord. When Moses was responsible for taking care of the children of Israel in the desert, something I wouldn't wish on anybody, but he had a visit at one time from his Midianite father-in-law. Midianite father-in-law could come and say, look, I'm not Jewish, so I'm a good objective observer here. And he watched Moses trying to bear all the burdens of caring for the Jewish people in the desert. And so his Midianite father-in-law says, you know, son, let me give you some advice. And in Exodus 18.18, he gives you advice. Exodus 18.18. And he says to Moses, thou wilt surely wear away both thou and this people that is with thee, for this thing's too heavy for thee. Thou art not able to perform it thyself alone. And so he told him, he says, you are gonna wear away. This is too heavy for you, and you were not able to do this. In other words, he's saying, this is gonna kill you. And so Moses, he knew he was right. He knew that his Midianite father-in-law was right. So then Moses, then next time he speaks to God in Numbers, in Numbers 11.14, Numbers 11.14, Moses now is talking to God, and he says, I am not able to bear all this people alone because it's too heavy for me. Now he knew. And King David, again, just speaking about his own sins in Psalm 38.4, Psalm 38.4, he said, for mine iniquities are gone over my head as a heavy burden, they're too heavy. They're too heavy for me. The Lord Jesus, he didn't just bear over 250 trillion white lies. You know, little, he didn't just bear over 250 trillion, I forgot to pick up the eggs when I was at the store. He bore enormously heavy sins. He bore the sin of adultery that comes from the lustful look. He bore the sin of murder that comes from the angry words. Heavy, heavy load of great things. Who could hold up under the weight of the enormity of all those sins? None but the Lord. Now, each one of our sins, it has a separate penalty, a separate penalty. That can be seen in the offerings in the book of Leviticus. What is Leviticus? Leviticus is like a prescription separate penalty offerings for separate penalty sins. Each sin had a separate penalty offering, and Leviticus just lays out what these penalties offerings are for all these different sins. As a matter of fact, if there's one message for the book of Leviticus, it's this. Each sin has to be paid for separately, separately. You know, there's no carte blanche. Okay, one, you're finished. Each one of our sins had to be paid for separately. If a person doesn't receive the Lord Jesus Christ as his savior, as his sin bearer, then he will pay for all of his sins throughout all eternity, and all eternity is not enough time 
to pay for all the separate sins. But the Lord Jesus Christ paid for each one of the separate sins on the cross. Who could pay for each one of those sins? None but the Lord. When the Lord Jesus Christ bore this load of sins, he wasn't anesthetized. As a matter of fact, he was offered an anesthetic and he said, no. Why? Because he wanted, he said, so that I could intensely feel the load of our sins. And when he felt the load of our sins, he groaned. He groaned. In Psalm 22, 1, that's a groan when he says, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? Why art thou so far from helping me? And from the words of my roaring, it means groaning, groaning. You know, it's not uncommon for people who have lost a parent or lost a loved one or have gone through a divorce to suffer from separation anxiety or from abandonment anxiety. That's real. And what the Lord Jesus Christ felt when he bore the load of our sins was the ultimate separation anxiety. As he was separated from God and he cries out, my God, my God, why hast thou forsaken me? He could have said, my God, my God, why have you abandoned me? And yet he held, he holds up under this ultimate separation, this ultimate abandonment. Who could hold up under being separated from God? None but the Lord. Now, not only did the Lord Jesus feel separation from God under the load of our sins, he also felt what it says in Psalm 69.20. Psalm 69.20, reproach hath broken my heart, he said, and I am full of heaviness. I looked for some to take pity, but there was none and for comforters, but I found none. And then it goes on, it says in Psalm 3811, Psalm 3811, my friends stand aloof from me, my kinsmen stand afar off. Every person, every human, abandoned him when he was bearing the load of our sins. There was no one to help him, no one to relieve him, no one to comfort him, no one. So he not only experiences the separation abandonment of God, he experiences the separation abandonment of man when he bore our sins, and he holds up. Who could hold up after being abandoned by man? None but the Lord. The Lord Jesus is called servant. In uh, Isaiah 52, 13, it says, Behold, my servant shall deal wisely. And then in Isaiah 53, 11, as we already read, he says, he shall see of the travail of soul, shall be satisfied by his knowledge, shall my righteous servant justify many. You know, behind this word servant, Ebed, is the concept of a person who bows. It's also behind the word humility, bows. And we see the Lord Jesus Christ when he bore our sins. I mean, it says in John 19, 30, when Jesus, therefore, had received the vinegar, he said, it is finished, and he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. I mean, who was that? Who bowed? That's the same person that's described in Hebrews 1.3. Hebrews 1.3 describes him as upholding all things by the word of his power. Not just creating, but upholding all things by the word of his power. He speaks to the earth. He speaks to the planets. He says, I want to hang you there on nothing and stay there. That's the word of his power. He upholds it. In John 1.3, it describes him, John 1.3 describes his creation when it says, all things were made by him. And just in case there was any doubt, 
it goes on to say, without him was not anything made that was made. He is before all things. By him, all things consist, it says in Colossians 1.17. Colossians 1.17. He is before all things, and by him all things hold together. So he makes all things. He holds all things together. On his shoulder, he's carrying the weight of the universe, the weight of the universe. He doesn't bow. He doesn't bow under that weight, but the load of our sins presses him down. It presses him down to the point of agony and death as he bows his head. And who could create and maintain all things and yet be bowed down by the weight of our sins? None but the Lord. None but the Lord. He's the light of the world. He says, I am the light of the world in John 8, 12. John 8, 12, he says, Then spake Jesus again unto them, saying, I am the light of the world. He that followeth me shall not walk in darkness, but shall have the light of life. He's the light of the world. What's that mean? He takes darkness away. Darkness tries to, uh, to extinguish it. Him in darkness cannot. The darkness comprehendeth him not. Because he takes the darkness away from others. He's the light of life. As it says in Colossians 1.13, Colossians 1.13, who has delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of his dear son. And then in 1 Peter 2.9, 1 Peter 2.9, it says, you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people that you should show forth the praises of him who hath called you, again, word of his power, called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, into his marvelous light. God who created, the God who commanded the light to shine out of darkness has shined in your hearts. That's what happened. Now, he's called the marvelous light. It's the marvelous light that breaks the power of darkness and then translates it into light. He's the light of every person that's born into the world. As it says in John 1, 9, John 1, 9, that was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. But bearing the load of our sins, in Matthew 27, 45, we read, now from the sixth hour there was darkness over all the land until the ninth hour. And when he died, bearing the load of our sins, Joseph of Arimathea comes in Matthew 27, 59, Matthew 27, 59, when Joseph had taken the body, he wrapped it in a clean linen cloth and laid it in his own new tomb, which he had hewn in the rock, and he rolled a great stone to the door of the sepulcher and departed. I mean, just think about that. You're gonna see that. Jason, you're gonna see that. Rolled a great stone in front. They sealed the tomb. There was total darkness in that tomb. It was under the load of our sins. The light of the world went into darkness. Third day, he emerges from the darkness to return to light. Who could be the light of the world and decide to go into darkness and go into darkness bearing the load of our sins? None but the Lord. When the Lord Jesus Christ said, it is finished, it was like he had finished a checklist. A checklist of what needed to be done as he bore the load of our sins. And when he cries out, it's finished, he's just saying everything's checked off on the checklist. He finished the work of our atonement, bringing us peace with God. Check. Who could atone for our sins, bearing the load of our sins? 
None but the Lord. He finished becoming the Lamb of God. God became a lamb that was slain for the load of our sins. Who could become the Lamb of God to be slain for the load of our sins? None but the Lord. He finished becoming the serpent that was lifted up on a pole for healing. The healing serpent that was lifted up on a pole. He spoke about that in John 3. He said, as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must also the Son of Man be lifted up, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish. The healing serpent. Who else could heal us by becoming the healing serpent lifted up on a pole for the load of our sins? None but the Lord. He finished paying the ransom for each one of our sins in the load of our sins, and for us, check. Who else could pay the ransom for all of our sins? None but the Lord. And he finished releasing us from prison. We were in prison. We were held in a perpetual cycle of sin. Oh, yes, we could stop sinning if we wanted to stop sinning, but we couldn't want to stop sinning, and so we're held as prisoners. Check. He released us from being prisoners of sin. Who else could set us free from the load of our sins that imprisoned us? None but the Lord. He finished running the devil out of town. He ran the devil away from being a tyrant over us. Check. Who else could free us from the tyranny of the devil himself? None but the Lord. And he finished, this is amazing, by removing the memory of our sins in God's memory. He took it out of God's memory. He took it out of God's mind. Check. As it says in Hebrews 8.12, when it says, I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. God, what does he have, Alzheimer's? This is God. He consciously forgets. He consciously forgets. Who else can remove from God's memory the load of our sins? None but the Lord. And then the great new covenant. He finishes the great new covenant. He establishes it. He seals it. He ratifies it. And just before he goes to the cross, he speaks of it in John 22, 20, coming to communion, where he said, likewise also the cup after supper, saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, which is shed for you. The New Testament is the new covenant. Who else? Who else could make a new covenant for us in his own blood? How about the Lord? You know, communion is such a wonderful thing, and it needs to never be stale. It needs to always be fresh. Communion needs to never be routine. And how do we keep it fresh? and not routine, and not stale, with fresh new thoughts. With fresh new thoughts to worship the Lord when we come to communion. Let's use these fresh new thoughts about the load of our sin, about none but the Lord, that he bore them as we come now to worship him at his table for all he did in bearing the load of our sins. Because on the cross, who could do all this for us? None but the Lord. None but the Lord. Let's take the communion today and say, none but you, Lord, could bear our sins, the load of our sins on the cross. Let's pray. Yes, Lord, help us now.
Help us now as we take this communion in our hearts to see afresh and anew and to speak to you as we do it, silently as we do it, to say, none but you, Lord. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org and sign up for his daily devotional. Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestorationministries.org. You can write to Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711330, P.O. Box 711330, Santee, California, Santee, California, 92071. Or email Tom Cantor at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org, tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800-247-3051. What are you doing Sunday nights? Join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at the Creation and Earth History Museum in Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for the Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. 